Welcome everybody to the big dudes in the just we are all back in action just like the Ninja Turtles. That's right. I like it. I appreciate <laughs> it. Uh we have an actual literal ton of news to talk about today because the NFL is doing things for once. It's exciting. Teams are having things occur. So that's cool. We can talk about stuff. Also College football is like actually kind of changing as we speak. Um, things are things are moving, so let's just dive on into things. And as always, we start with the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get straight on into it. Uh, Tug is having some technical difficulties, so we're gonna let me take the lead here. It's gonna be we're gonna be all right. We're gonna be fine. We just want to make sure that. He's not in the middle of a sentence and then just, and then we're all just kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> that's we're, never happened to us before ever. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to yeah. knock people off our pants down for once. So, uh, yeah, cool. We'll start it off with, uh, bears news, kind of throw back to classic tradition on the show. Always starting off by talking about the Chicago bears tug, Doug. I know you guys are excited to be doing that again. I love it so much. <laughs> this is, uh, this is pretty Pretty big news. Not too surprising. Crazy Frog, thank you for the sub there. Appreciate you, man. Uh, Robert Quinn has been traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. The package, though, was a little interesting. It's traded for a fourth-round pick. On the surface, what do you guys think of this? I mean, are we not talking the money? We're just talking the, the picks? The package? Yeah, let's just talk about the fact that it was a – you know, a guy coming off his second best season of his career, 32 years old, traded for just a fourth round pick. You say just a fourth round pick, but really, where's his value at, right? He is over 30 years old, so his value is going down. Uh, he is still high productive. I'm not saying he's on the down downtrend, but how many how many more good years do you get out of him? I Could they have gotten more for him? Third, maybe, but even that, a... A 2023 fourth round pick is is pretty solid value. Um, it's not what you would like to see. I know as a Bears fan, but it's I don't know. I I would have a hard time paying any more than that or a third. Yeah, trade values usually end up surprising me at how low they are, especially as players progress in age. It's not too uncommon to see players be productive later thirties, but. It is rare enough that you're not going to get much more than a fourth-round pick. And I understand he's coming off of one of his best years ever. He's also going to a new scheme and maybe not even really going to be a starter the rest of the year. Probably going to be a rotational piece. There's no reason the Eagles would have ever given up more than this. Yeah, unfortunately. Absolutely. And me personally, I am a huge fan of this move. I think it, uh, I think it makes a ton of sense. That's without getting into all the, you know, cap space that isn't real because the cap doesn't exist. But this does free up $18 million, apparently, for the Bears. The biggest thing here, apparently they're paying at $7.1 million of his remaining base salary. I, Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Collect Nerd Talk here in the chat saying one sack in seven games this year. Yeah, dec- absolutely a decent value. That's why I mentioned, you know, last year was his second best year very close to being his best year and you could argue in some ways it was uh so 
I I'm a fan of this move. I think both teams got better. The Eagles are in a win now position. They weren't really expecting to be, so they're making moves to get better. I know Cowboys fans are scared by this. Uh, and as far as the Bears, they're trying to get younger. Uh, I'm interested to see who is starting and who is sitting on Sunday, though. So we'll just have to wait and see. I don't think this is the last move we're going to see from Chicago. Additionally, the Giants, who are also in a pretty good position in the NFC East, decided Kadarius Tony needs a new start. And he, let's face it, has not delivered the way Giants fans and probably that front office had hoped he would. He's going to get a fresh start with the Chiefs for a conditional third and a sixth-round pick. What do we think about this one? It looked like it was going to happen for quite some time now. The Giants and Tony just kind of had a falling apart. Uh, and, you know, happens sometimes. Tony also had a hamstring injury and then insinuated on Twitter that he was never really injured. Um, so that's a fun story to be keeping track of. I guess when you Daniel Jones to Patrick Mahomes, your hamstring magically heals. That's, and speaking of teams that need to be scared of the Robert Quinn trade, you said the Cowboys, but the Giants have a much younger offensive line and much less experienced, and a quarterback who is much less mobile. So I would be more scared as the Giants of that Robert Quinn trade. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. I was going to add, you know, it, it's a telling sign when you're major free agency signing in uh, Kenny Galladay and your number one pick, Kadarius Tony, uh, both have less receiving touchdowns over two years than your starting. And this is what we were afraid of. So that's why <laughs> I think you were saying your starting quarterback. <laughs> More receiving touchdowns than their starting, or less receiving touchdowns than their starting quarterback. Is that where that what you said? Starting left tackle, left tackle. Andrew oh. Thomas has one receiving touchdown that's, this year. That's more fun. Kadarius Tony and fun. Kenny Galladay over two years have zero. Man, I've seen I've seen this happen before. Big dudes in the end. Oh yeah, the Bears. The Bears <laughs> did the same thing with a, a first round draft pick at wide receiver. It's crazy. Uh, next up. Going back to the Chiefs, Frank Clark's been suspended for a violation of NFL personal conduct policy. No other real news besides that. I don't know. Does anybody want to try and delve into this at all, or are we all just kind of good to just uh, let it mellow? As far as we know, he I don't know anything about it. So. Personal conduct policy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Rush should be good to go versus the Jags in London. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Hold up. Hold up. All right. The play there story? Are multiple, there are multiple college football games happening right now. Louisiana is now at seven points. It is 20 to 7, Southern Miss. They got to seven points in the most Nebraska way possible. So they blocked a PAT, returned it for two points, got a field goal, and then just sacked Southern Miss for a safety. This is incredible. I am very much enjoying this. Very disgusting what, game. What quarter are we in? Is is the, the second, in, quarter. second quarter? So the NCAA record for most sacks in the game is in jeopardy already. Uh, well, it's not safeties. It's one and uh, one PAT return for two points. So it's not the same thing. Fair enough. This is 
probably the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't believe this is happening again. Uh, oh, wait. ESPN messed up. Southern Miss got the safety. It's 22 to 5. Never mind. It's even more fun, actually. Jesus. Okay. <laughs> this game. Back to the nothing's NFL. good. Nothing good is coming from this game. Russell Wilson appears to be good to go. Apparently, on this flight to London, he was doing high knees and other calisthenics in the aisle. Just totally saying, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm, I'm going to be worried. Like, imagine trying to, you know, catch a little bit of sleep on this incredibly long flight and you're just like oh here comes russ working out thanks bro what is what is going on i don't is he okay like no mentally like is he okay i (sighs) something about ride something about wolverine blood cooking and riding and it's just not working this year and now we're doing high knees on a fucking plane. Let's ride. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson said that. Uh, other injury news. Zeke's looking like he's going to be out against the Bears with a knee sprain. I talked about this on NFL Carousel earlier in the night. What I think this does for Dallas is it puts a lot more pressure on Tony Pollard. I think he's going to still do well. Uh, but if Zeke's out, that makes their that changes the face of their run game a lot. And... I'm curious to see how this is going to affect the offense because, let's face it, Dak did not look confident going going back this week. Oh, we just had uh, someone redeem. Say something nice about your rival. Little bug. What do you got for us? Hold on, hold on. Let's make this a chat vote. Are we going to say Tennessee or the Packers? Ooh. (laughs) Well, it says the Packers in the – in the thing because I made it and uh, you know what we'll go we'll go on here the Packers uh, at least have somebody who looks like a little bit of a fan because Taylor Heineke went and decided keeping in with tradition of what he does after he beats a team he, uh, he got some shoes he got some shoes to show off the Packers colors so there you go. I don't know Somebody. if that counts as nice. I'm not it's gonna let not. Doug get away with that when we when someone highlights it for for Michigan, and he can't <laughs> pull the Ryan Day. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, where yeah. were we? I think we were just getting into some injuries. Yeah, we were talking about Dak Prescott and. Zeke Elliott. Look, I, I'm curious to see how this is going to affect the Cowboys offense. It's struggling right now. I have faith in Tony Pollard, and it, you know their job got a little bit easier not having to deal with Robert Quinn this week. Um, but, man, it's – or sorry, they're not going to have to deal with Zeke. They're going to have to deal with only Tony Pollard coming out of the backfield. But, man, this is this is going to be interesting. Are you excited as a Tony Pollard fan? Um cautiously optimistic about it let's just put it that way because i do it's tony pollard but i'm (laughs) I'm disappointed because the bears from the from the tony pollard perspective i'm curious to see how it goes because obviously i don't watch the cowboys as closely as a cowboys fan would uh it seems the consensus among cowboys Cowboys fans don't watch cowboys either that's fair uh, the consensus among Cowboys fans seems to be that, that between Zeke and Pollard, they have 
a good running back. I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't, I don't watch the Cowboys every week. I don't know how to take that. But at the same time, I wonder what either guy could do if they were given the lion's share of carries, right? So it's maybe that's kind of been the secret to why this offense has been working the way the way it has been. Uh, and as I already said, you know, Dak did not do anything crazy or impressive this past week. So that's going to be – that's more what I'm interested to see how this all works out. Is that going to open up more? Is You know, it, it's – there's a lot going into Zeke being out, honestly. He's not the only guy that's going to be missing from his team's offense. Jamar Chase has a hip injury. He may go to the IR. Right now he's expected out four to six weeks. This has a lot of implications for fantasy and the Bengals in general. Starting with the Bengals, though, I don't know. I don't know how how much this is going to hurt them after what they did last week. I'm I'm not I'm not super worried or concerned about them. Yeah, it's it would have been nice to have all those weapons available, obviously against any team, especially the Browns with some defensive back um, depth concerns. Let's put it that way. But you still have some very talented receivers in that room that are healthy and ready to go. And Joe Burrow has shown he's able to do it with a lot of different guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next up, Jameis Winston is healthy. Andy Dalton is still the starter. This one's kind of puzzling to me. Uh yeah, I don't – I just don't get it. I, Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton, right? We, You've got to just accept that he is what he is. I think Jameis gives them a better chance to win, so I got I to gotta wonder why is he on the bench. Uh, has everyone forgotten what Andy Dalton did to start his career? Uh, yeah, because he's now 800 years older. I'm just – I'm thinking back to like when he was in Cincinnati, he was leading the team consistently to the playoffs. Uh, granted, they could never win a game um, in the playoffs, that is. But he's still a solid quarter. He's not excellent. He's a game manager. Um, last week is a bad week to follow saying what I'm going to say. But generally speaking, he is a little bit better at protecting the ball than, than Jameis. Jameis is a gunslinger. He throws a lot of 50-50 balls. Now, last week... I have no standing to say that, but my analysis long-term stands true. Um, and that, that would be my guess of what Dennis Allen is going for here is less less turnovers. That's possible. Another take is um, maybe they're just throwing in the towel, trying to restart something here. Because Andy Dalton yeah. is not that good anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it, and let's not forget they got a, a quarterback playing tight end as well, so who knows what's going well, to happen. And actually, speaking of blowing it up and starting over, I've heard they are in deep trade talks to move Alvin Kamara, which they don't have a first-round pick currently. That would definitely get them a first-round pick from somewhere, so it's plausible, and especially if they're looking to just – move on with someone new at quarterback, that would be a great place to start doing that. Yeah. Um, oh, there's one more thing I want to add to it, too. It's gone. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> well, we got another injury, Matt Ryan. Uh, he's going to be, he's had a shoulder separation, I believe. His time as starter for the Colts is done. They're going to go with Sam Ellinger the rest of the way. I don't, maybe it wasn't a shoulder separation. At the end of the day, he had, he was playing hurt. And the Colts said, you know what? Go get surgery. We're we're gonna we're gonna let Sam have a shot here. Uh, apparently, this was always going to be the plan. I think the needed surgery was just something they were able to kind of push him out a little bit sooner uh, and have an actual reason versus well, we're just not doing good, but we're going to try something new, which is generally not a good thing for a team to have to come out and say it's never a good look. What do, is Matt Ryan done? I mean, it seems like he has never recovered from that Super Bowl. Well, hold on, because you have it here. You never finished it. His tenure as the Colts starter lasted 28 weeks and three days. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and say yes, because he cannot escape from 28 to 3. That is technically not true. He was traded to the Colts about 30 weeks ago now. Was he? Yes. When did the trade go through? Was this a before the trade deadline? You want this to be 23 days so bad. You want it very badly. It's not true, unfortunately. The league started before April. So it's... Okay. <laughs> just need to make sure. I had like, seen it, it was, a couple times. I, like felt 30 weeks. I know. But, I know because it's fun. And Everybody I, wants it to be I thought it was too good to be true, so I did some research, and it is too good to be true. But, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Once again, we uh, are having this conversation about turf versus grass due to all these non-contact injuries. A coach of a team that plays on turf, Pete Carroll, is saying the NFL needs to reevaluate this in the offseason. I feel like this comes up every year. I'm almost positive this comes up every year. I don't remember a coach bringing it up right. in a while, though. It's always been the players. So, do you And think... now the reigning offensive player of the year, Cooper Cup, has come out and said this as well. So yeah. Do you think this carries more bigger weight? Names, guys. Bigger yeah. names behind it this year. And hopefully – I mean, it, it's not necessarily fair as far as the business end of the things. J.C. Treader has been saying this for years. He is the president of the NFLPA. So, to an extent, you would think he has a lot of say in what happens with NFL evaluating these things. But now you have some stars and some people not on the field necessarily in the coaching staff saying this. This is a it, – it, is, it still is a little bit different than just having the NFLPA president, as bad as that sounds. You, you guys know where I stand on this argument. Uh, I, I have never wavered off of this. Um, additionally, if Arizona can have grass, natural grass in their stadium, then there's no excuse. I would argue Minnesota would probably be the toughest one to do it because like, you can just roll it out in the middle of winter to get it the sun and everything. It you needs. can. It might not work too well, but you can. But Green Bay also That's... maintains artificial, uh, maintains natural grass in the winter. So if we're arguing for open-air stadiums here, all the more reason for me. I'm good with it. I'm not I'm not going for all 
open air stadiums. What a, the issue I have with it is like, even at, you know, major college level, there's no reason that these schools don't have the money to hire a grounds crew to maintain the grass. And then there's absolutely no excuse for call for the NFL to have this either. High schools would make sense. Junior colleges it makes sense. Smaller colleges it makes sense. The one-time investment and the main the maintenance is a lot cheaper, easier to keep up with. It's a cost you can cut. With all the stuff they end up doing as far as painting everything on it, I, you got to figure it's not going to be that much worse to go with grass everywhere anyway, from a cost perspective. I don't. I just don't understand why this is. I feel like this is taking so long. I'd have to do some research into this, but I feel like when guys' knees started blowing up on the old AstroTurf that was just a carpet on top of concrete, they went and started changing shit pretty quick. So why this is taking so long, I have no idea. I, I do. I know it's it's got money involved, but right. this is this is kind of getting inexcusable. You You argue that it was when guys knees started blowing up i argue it's when the better artificial turf got to be a reasonable price like i hate to say it, but that's the truth valid also true unfortunately valid <laughs> also to make that change happen the way you're talking ben you need a um ooh, like a lamar jackson to blow out his knee on a non-contact injury on a turf field um, like not, I'm not saying I want that to happen. I mean, Odell Beckham I'm already that did. is the Odell Beckham Jr. already did that. in the Super Bowl. Like, doesn't carry the for, forget, doesn't carry the star power. It's in the Super Bowl. Like the biggest it game of Odell It's not about what people. It's not about what people see. It's about the impact it, on the NFL's investment. If, this, they if it was a random bull, if it was a random bullshit game in the middle of October, I would agree with you. It happened on the biggest game of any sport in this country in the middle of the game, in the middle of the screen. It's not even like he was running around off screen. But that doesn't affect their bottom line. That's what I'm saying. We're obviously not going to get anywhere with this argument. Let's move on. Yeah, so Aaron Rodgers is calling out his teammates, which to his credit, he's come back and said nothing he said on the Pat McAfee show. He has not said to these guys in private. But he's basically calling every single one of them out saying, fix it or you're going to get reduced play- or you should get reduced playing time. So I'll give him a little bit of credit. He's at least said, you know, I've had these conversations with all of my teammates as well. Uh, but this is this is getting ridiculous. Like, What is going on with Green Bay? Does that little bit of credit count as something nice for your rival? Because the shoes. I guess we got back around to it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is kind of ridiculous. Just straight up saying that you shouldn't have playing time when there aren't any other options. It's not like you can just overhaul a roster of fifty-three guys in the middle of the season. Um, I mean, you I can you could, if you know. wanted to, but <laughs> not like it's going to get any better. So that's an interesting take. And also, he's definitely not on the coaching staff. Last time I looked. So uh, he thinks he you is. Know, that he was simply part of the negotiations in his latest round of contract talks. And yet, last I checked, he's not on the coaching staff. Weird. Weird how that works. So let's go on to uh, 
some things you all have probably seen circulating around the internet, and that is renderings of new NFL stadiums and facilities. This one is Tennessee, as if you couldn't tell here. I know, that's crazy. I'm just, just so we're sure. Uh, going for another domed look here. The stadium is actually smaller than what they have now. What do you guys think about it? Did they hire the same architects that did the SoFi Stadium? Uh, not the outside, not the external look, but like the internal look is very similar to what SoFi looks like. I think it's just this modern look, right? I mean, any stadium, all the all the old concrete donuts are gone now, but Philly had one. Yeah. St. Louis played baseball at Bush Stadium in the old donut there. It was just a very common thing of the time. And you've got, of course, all these old bowl stadiums. That was a very, a lot of very similar architecture and all those. I think this is just indicative of when it's being built here. I don't know that this is anything to do with a specific uh, planner or anything. I know I've shown images of proposed changes to the Liberty Bowl and a lot of, granted, obviously the base architecture is very different, but a lot of how the seating and everything is being done is very similar. And a lot of the accent lighting as well. So one thing that I really don't like about this new style of stadium architecture, without knowing what it is, you really wouldn't be able to tell it's a stadium from the outside, like a football stadium. Traditional I mean, football stadiums wants... have a very iconic look. Yeah. And it's completely... I mean, I mean come on. I'm not the only one that saw it. I, this was not an original idea by me, but I know. I mean, <laughs> I have no additional comment on that. That says it all to, for me right there. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And that's why, again, as much as this is a joke and I love ripping on Nashville whenever I get the chance, like, you can't you can't look at the two and say you don't see similarities like there and this isn't even the best one the one I saw was like almost it might have actually just been Photoshop pop off over the original image but the point stands there's nothing original about this now I will flip this a little bit Wrigley Field Fenway uh, even Lambeau Field they are just thrown in the middle of the neighborhood much like how soccer stadiums in Europe are. <clears throat> so to that to that end, this looks like it could fit pretty much anywhere. But again, all those stadiums still scream sports right. happen here. Right. This this doesn't. And where looking like a university or an academic building is great for a college stadium, looking like a business building for an NFL club, that's not that's not it. I know. It looks so Blandly corporate. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, the roof is cool, though. Yep. <laughs> I guess. If you're going to have to have a roof, that'd be the way to do it. <coughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not for these roofs in, uh, in the South. I, I will say that. Yeah. Moving on. The Buffalo Bills, another team we've been talking about getting a new stadium for a while, finally came out with some renderings of their stadium as well. This is amazing. I We just had this whole conversation about how everything made right now looks the same. This does and doesn't all at the same time. And honestly, right. honestly, I get a little bit of uh, Hawaii Bowl vibes here. 
I don't know what y'all think, but I get I get a little bit what what was the stadium out there? The old one that Aloha. had to the Aloha Stadium. I get a little bit of those vibes here, and I love it. <clears throat> I love that it's still going to be open air. It's yep. just that's a. It's hard to. It would be very difficult for me to advocate a dome in Buffalo. It's just uh, it's kind of what it is now. I think the best thing about this is that the outside has that very modern look. It looks like the Death Star yeah. out in Las Vegas. Yeah. But then the inside looks classic. You, you mean you mean the Roomba? Whatever you want to call it. No, I love that it's open air, and, and you guys keep bringing up like you you hate uh, that I keep saying, "Hey, I advocate for everyone having open air." The reason I do, and Doug, you're gonna hate this because you were complaining about it the other day, but it's it's an entirely valid complaint and an entirely valid argument. You can't use your weather to your advantage if you're in a dome. Um. Say what you want. Is it borderline cruelty what Miami does to the opposing teams? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> but this is the same concept Buffalo's going with, with keeping it open air. They're used to playing up there. They're making the weather a factor. I would argue. I love that. I would, I would argue it is much easier to play football, especially as a lineman, in 20-degree weather than it is in 100-degree weather. Fuck Miami. The Dolphins are pieces of shit as an organization and a franchise and the owner especially. <laughs> that was an amazing adjustment. I think they did that in 2015 is when they added that roof to Absolutely fantastic idea. You guys suck ass. <laughs> I, I got to say of these two renderings, I'm more excited to see uh, what the Bills do here. And I would 100% yep. rather go to a Bills game first over going to a Titans game at their new stadium. I will I also, also love... definitely say these renderings are total bullshit and almost never happen exactly the way it's designed. There have been many a rendering that just doesn't happen at all. So I know these are officially released by the team and everything, but there can be plenty of design changes yet. Absolutely. We'll happens. I, I do appreciate that when Buffalo put their uh, rendering out, they put it in wintertime. That just that screams Buffalo to me, the, the outdoor, the, the outside look at the stadium. Yeah, and it yeah, it looks like dangerous as fuck to walk across that shit, though. It looks like it's right. solid yeah, that's, ice. That's not actually cement. That's ice the whole way. <laughs> Everybody's got skates on. Yeah, we already talked about Taylor Heineke a little bit. The other piece of story here with this is he's going to get $125,000 every game. He plays 60% or more of the offensive snaps. With him becoming the starter, uh, if for some reason they win some more games, he'll be getting some more custom J's or sneakers in general, as he did this week. This is his thing. I actually kind of love this tradition uh, that he's got going here, and I'm curious to see how many uh, pairs of shoes he can collect uh, the rest of the way this year. I'm not a shoe guy, so I don't know what to say. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of where I'm at. So... <laughs> we have been doing picks all this season. You didn't put a slide in here to mention it, but I went 5-0 and last week, thanks to my Chicago Bears. We got an update to the records here. Tug still leading the way, 21-11. and Holding down second place, 18-14. and And Doug, you are... Uh... I, I was trying to take some drastic measures to catch up last week, and it just... 
backfired immensely. Uh, I've done it Patriots two weeks in a row. was my now. safest pick, and the Patriots lost, so they didn't just lose. It's crazy so, yeah. though, because we we talk about it, and Bill Belichick released this like two thousand word essay on why the Bears are actually a dangerous team, and everybody laughed at him in that press conference. And then just straight up, the Bears annihilated the Patriots. <laughs> Well, another thing that's worth bringing up is twice a wins record has been on the line in a Bears game uh, earlier in the season against the Packers, where the Packers could take control of, you know, first overall or I I don't overall wins. And they didn't pull that one out. uh, But because the Packers already lost, they weren't able to get it that game either. So that was little give and take. And then, of course, this week, Bill Belichick would have been number two all-time in wins, passing George Hallis. And the Bears made sure that didn't happen. They did it emphatically. I don't know if you guys want to review the game at all or not. It's a primetime game. I'll leave it up to you. I I could talk about it for a little bit. I know that. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say that uh, the Bears are quickly becoming my crappy weather team. Uh, that's the second game this year out of their three wins that they've won in either pouring rain or dense fog. So doing something right. It was it was really cool to see that this one was fueled by the defense as much as it was. How great those young corners were able to step up. It's it's promising. And the Bears have way more cap space next year than anybody else in the league. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with that. Also, it's not a great free agent class, or at least expected to be. So kind of a the bad year to have the most cap space if you're going to have a bad year to do that. But, you know, there's still options. See what happens. And, you know, the only negative mark you can really say for Justin Fields, he put the ball on the turf four times. However, all four times the Bears were able to fall on it. One that stuck out in my mind the most, he was just running with the ball in his hand, got hit, his knee went up a little bit more, and because it was wet, knocked the ball, his knee, his own knee knocked the ball out of his hand. He was able to fall on mm-hmm. it. Otherwise, this was a fantastic game for Fields. And one overarching opinion I've seen is it would have been nice for this to have happened Thursday night, the week before against the Commanders. But who cares, right? It's the Commanders. With everything that was on the line in, you know, in the annals of history here, on the road against the Patriots and Bill Belichick, in a game that they were not expected to win, it's a way bigger deal that he has the game he has in that one. So You said annals. God damn it. (laughs) A lot to be excited about (laughs) as a Bears fan right now. Oh, man. I moving on primetime matchups this week Ravens Buccaneers is going on right now but it seems like nobody wants to score it's so three it's Thursday night yeah yeah this is uh getting a bit ridiculous regretting that deal (laughs) I hate I for different reasons I have proclaimed my hate for Thursday night football several times this year um It needs to fucking go. This is ridiculous. <clears throat> that I, being I agree said, with that much more than I agree with everybody having open air stadiums. Yeah. Yes, Miami. We need we need two games during we need the Cowboys and the Lions at home on Thanksgiving, and that's it. We don't need a night game. Yep. Yep. And that shit now. Packers, 
will be going up to Buffalo, who are not in that brand new stadium, but they are still outdoors for Sunday night football at 820 on NBC. We're all going with the Bills. Are we memeing ourselves here, boys? This is the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career he is a, a underdog. He is, the Bills are 10.5-point favorites right now, and I don't know if I'm going to take the Packers to even cover that. Right now they're playing like absolute dog shit, and the Bills look really freaking good. But that probably means we did mean ourselves, yes. Yeah, unless – I was going to say, yeah, unless the Packers sit their entire wide receiving core and, and find some new receivers, yeah, it's going to be the same story, different day. Um, unfortunately, even if they do sit their entire receiving core and hire a bunch of new ones, there's no one out there for them. Uh, OBJ is still not healthy. So, yeah, I, I don't see the Packers pulling this one out. Heard of I would have liked they're in trade talks for A.J. Green. I don't know if that helps them at all, but that's a thing that might be happening at some point. There's There's been a lot of rummaging and talks that the Bills could be interested in potentially Cam Akers or even David Montgomery being a landing spot there. If they had gotten this trade done before this show, really, I would say those guys could go and have a major impact and it's Bills by a country mile because their running game is the one thing holding them back in pretty much everybody's opinion out there. Uh, Other than that, though, the Packers, they showed some fight in the last week and I think I would have thrown up if they would have you know, had that schoolyard bullshit score to win the game for them. Uh, but they didn't, and I don't – they're definitely not going to be able to rely on something like that to get it done against the Bills. I think there's just too much talent on this Buffalo team for Green Bay to overcome the way they're playing right now. Next up, Bengals-Browns. Are you guys sure you want to go with the Browns Monday, 8-15 on ESPN? I, like, I know they're the home team, but yep. what – I mean – You sure? L- yep. Losing home Jamar team. Chase – Home Still having Nick and, Chubb. Uh, well, Nick Chubb, no Jamar Chase. Also, they've played all of their losses extremely close this year. I was, I've been surprised at how decent they look at times. Not saying that's like a, they're good. So you're a fan same. again? Fuck off, man. Literally, yeah, Doug's a fan again. Where? Fuck it. I'm picking the Bengals. Fuck you. <laughs> I got him to my side. I did it. <laughs> I hate the fucking Browns. Stop it. <laughs> Look. Oh, gosh. I love it. Uh, plain and simple. All right. Yes, Jamar Chase is out. And yes, the run game looked pretty fucking bad last week. I think that's going to be a focus. We've got to get the run game going because we're missing our number one receiver. And Joe Mixon is a great guy to get to be who you're leaning on to get the run game going. And then let's not act like T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are slugs, right? Like if you if you're gonna have to rely on your two and three receivers, I want those two guys to be my two and three receivers that I'm relying on. So I, I think the Bengals are gonna be just fine. I get where you're coming from, but I would also argue that you don't decide to get your running game going against the Bears defensive line. Um if that is their focus, that's not gonna bode well for them. Uh, the Bears' secondary is solid. That's Doug, you said it. They're going to ride Nick Chubb in this defense until Deshaun Watson comes back, and that's exactly what's happening. Um, you, mean, you mean the Browns? You, you, said, the, you said the Bears twice, oh, my and I'm bad. also confused because the Browns' secondary is not that solid right now, especially with Denzel Ward out. Well, <laughs> fine then. 
Um, yeah, I'm full of the Bengals train now. You can't stop me. <laughs> no, that's every point you talk yourself out of that, right. too. Hey, <laughs> so <clears throat> even if the secondary isn't the best, they still have one of the best pass rushes in the, the NFL right now. Um, sure. So I one guy. that Bengals offensive line has looked better. It doesn't look great right now. I don't know. I'm I'm taking the Browns in this one at home. It's going to be a close game. It's going to be it's going to be a battle. Do I yeah, take I mean, Miles I would, Garrett or Joe Shiesty. I would argue all the Bengals losses have also been extremely close. So this <laughs> this is actually going to be a fantastic game. Looks like Monday Night Football is going to deliver yet again. Uh, Thursday, come on, it's actually three to ten. I don't know where I missed the score update for Tampa Bay, uh, but it, it's three to ten. Buccaneers are leading. You saw that zero and assumed. Yeah, it was terrible. Look, it was pixelated. I. I'm not focusing on it. Uh, our games to watch this week start off, starting us off here. I have Sunday in the afternoon slot, 425 Eastern on Fox. The Giants are traveling to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. I've got the Seahawks. The Giants have looked phenomenal, but Geno Smith has looked like everybody kind of hoped he would coming out of college. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. I think Seattle is turning a corner. They're favored. Uh, by three points in this one. All that to say, Tug, you're the only one taking the Giants, and I would not be at all surprised to see them win either. I just don't see how the Seahawks slow them down. Both teams are looking really good. Um, it's going to sound weird. I have more faith in Daniel Jones right now than I do Geno Smith. Um, but a lot of that's riding on Brian Dable and his ability to game plan with Saquon in mind. Um yeah, to me this this is it, this game is the Giants. Yeah, you trust Daniel Jones. I don't trust either of them. That means I'm taking the home team. <laughs> Fair enough, Doug. Why don't you give us your game? Yeah, I'm taking 49ers Rams. It's been a great matchup over the past few years, and it's very important for the division. The entire NFC West is kind of knotted up, and it could go any different number of directions so very important divisional matchup christian mccaffrey is gonna actually know a couple of plays this time instead of just showing up and trying so that's cool also i'm taking the 49ers here and specifically because it really feels like the 49ers have been built to be a ram killer and not necessarily a super bowl contender it feels very much more like they are schemed to beat the Rams. I think Christian McCaffrey adds another dimension to that. And now that he actually has, you know, met the head coach once instead of, you know, what happened last week, I think, uh, I think I'm going to give this one to the 49ers. I'm, I'm going to, take the 49ers here as well i think they're honestly a better built team right now um the rams have not really looked like the rams from last year all season matt stafford still fighting through an injury uh jimmy g is solid still he's got all of those weapons all over the place yeah i'm, I'm going the 49ers on this one yeah i'm alone on this i'm going with the rams uh one and a half point underdog here at home 
the 49ers just have not impressed this year, and that's really where I'm at. This is going to be a big turning point game for both teams, I think. And, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see how this goes. Cool. For my game, I I am going to take uh, the Cardinals at the Vikings. Look, this Cardinals offense finally looked alive for the first time last Thursday. Uh, more importantly, that defense looks legit as well. Um, this is an interesting game. It's a good milestone, kind of a, a where you at marker for both teams. Uh, are the are the Cardinals going to turn the season around? Um, are the Vikings going to continue this trajectory because they have honestly they've gotten a lot of ugly wins this year. Now a win's a win's a win, but they haven't been they haven't looked dominant in any fashion. I don't think uh, in any games. Uh, and actually. Uh, I verified the slides. I did everything. I have now changed my mind. Uh, I am going to take the Cardinals in this one, uh, mostly because, again, man, the Vikings just, they're hit and miss all year. The Cardinals haven't been much better, but they have looked much better last week, and I want to see if they can continue that with uh, D-Hop back in the lineup and moving forward. I will say that every time, we have had to make a pick for a Cardinals game. I have taken the Cardinals so far this year, and I have lost every single time. So I'm taking the Vikings because the Arizona Cardinals have bent me over for the last time. Well, again, that's just because D-Hop wasn't in the lineup. That's insane. If you say so. <laughs> uh, I'm going Minnesota. We're going school at home. Uh, there's nothing more that really needs to be said, I don't think. Oh, fair enough. Went a little too far. Our record so far on a stardom sit has been 16 and 12. Uh, Dave Montgomery got a touchdown and ruined what was looking like a very good sit for me. Thanks for that. Uh, we're going to start with wide receivers. Tug, you had them this – or no, I had them this week. Yep. Yep, I had them this week because I had – that's what happened. Jesus. <laughs> It's too late. It's too late, y'all. All right, I'm saying yeah. sit Amon Ross St. Brown. This one should be pretty obvious, right? He was in concussion protocol. He wasn't in concussion protocol. He's still wearing the no-contact jersey. And, yeah, I think it's a bad matchup for him this week, even if he does come back. So, sit Amon Ross St. Brown. I think this is just the smart play. See what happens. Kind of go from there. If I thought I led you astray, I'm sorry. I don't think I, I at this point. I agree with everything you said. In fact, I'm going to be watching it because I have him starting right now in, in our Dynasty League. Um, but I'm waiting to see the news tomorrow to see if he is a full participant, which is my expectation. My question comes in is, why is Miami a bad match? We gave up 14 points to George Pickens last week. Um, yeah, George are, Pickens is a lot better than Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, but our secondary is absolutely dismantled right now. Um, Even though you're giving them, like, half of your salary cap? Yeah, the only one we have right now is is Xavier Howard. He's – and Javon Holland. Those are the two that are in. We, Xavier Howard's 33% of your salary cap, so he ought to be able and, to cover and, four players at once. And we <laughs> – we had to start Noah Igbenogany last week, and, you know – we're going to have to do it again this week. I'm concerned. Just love to pass the one name you get right. Uh, before I go with my start, if you're watching, you already know who it is. 
let's go back here. You just switch to the Cardinals the same week that Modern Warfare 2 comes out. I, I yeah, I, I realize this after. Course. Dude, the, the stats don't lie. I will go back to my original pick. We're back to Minnesota. This is why I don't change my picks. I tinker, boys. I tinker. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that this is now our standard for picking uh, <laughs> games. Uh, if you are a visual person, you're either watching on YouTube or live on our Twitch.tv backslash Big Busy in the Trenches all over there. You already know that my star is Chris Olavis. So what? Yeah. Which, thank you for watching, by the way. Yes. Absolutely. That's all I said. Follow, (laughs) subscribe, get the bell on. If you only want to do the free things, don't subscribe on on Twitch. Anyway, uh, Chris Olave, Suave Olave, he has climbed into the top 20 rankings for fantasy wide receivers this season. And I do not see him slowing down. It has not mattered who's been throwing him the ball. He has consistently gotten better. This is a guy that you need to keep in the game right now. Uh, absolutely suck, Chris Olave. I'm still upset he was drafted like one pick in front of me in my uh, in our dynasty league. Um, just brutal. I love this pick though. I think you're. I think you're right. He's going to be the number one there very quickly. Michael Thomas, I think, is still out this week. Um, Jarvis Landry, who knows what's going on with him? So yeah, it's. It's Suave Olave, and that's about it. It's really crazy to me that Michael Thomas has been out for like four years on some turf toe shit, and Brian Robinson came back after getting shot twice in the leg after like four weeks. He got that dog in him. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This might be another low-hanging fruit here. Uh, I'm telling you to sit a Patriots running back, specifically Damian Harris. Uh, For the first time in a long time, it seems like Bill has – settled onto a singular running back. The stats back that up. The snap percentages back that up. It's not Damian Harris. It's actually Ramondre Stevenson. Um, look, I don't I don't trust it. I don't like the matchup this week. I, I'm sitting Damian Harris. Now I'm Which going is on extra a limb depressing here. because this was a dude that was a very high draft pick in so many fantasy drafts. Don't draft Patriots running backs early. Like, I, it's the only thing I can tell you. Um, now, I do have a Carolina Panthers running back starting. It is not Christian McCaffrey because he no longer plays there. It's actually Chuba Hubbard, who is far and away the number one right now. I know he's questionable. Uh, I'm taking the risk here. I'm surprised. I'm, I I can see Doug with his, his shit-eating grin right there, waiting to make a comment about how I love Chuba Hubbard. Uh, no, Looks I actually like crazy frog loves him, too. He gives Tug a full Chuba. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, for real, I I like the matchup this week. His utilization last week looked fantastic. I can only project it's going to go up if he stays healthy. Um, Yeah, I'm starting Chuba Hubbard. Chuba, Chuba, Chuba. (laughs) Okay. I mean, good luck with that. I, I think it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that does it for NFL stuff. We get to talk about my favorite sport of all time, college football. Uh, it's so much better than the NFL. You have, you guys have no idea. Y'all are okay. sleeping on college football. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Let's start off with more. some uh, alternate uniforms, which have been announced as Halloween weekend, which means. 
that we get some dark uniforms. This is the first time in Tennessee's history that we're in black helmets. These are Halloween colors. Obviously, black and orange. It looks awesome. I actually like this more than the Smoky Mountain Alts. Personally, this looks pretty freaking sick. I love it. You know, I I saw when well, I first saw these uniforms put out. I don't remember if I'd been wanting to share or whatever, but one of the comments I saw on it uh, was this uh, thought that these spring leagues, XFL, USFL, they should target college towns like Knoxville and doing something mm-hmm. along these lines that incorporates a little bit of that school color in here because black is not an official school color of the University of Tennessee, but the orange is. If you can start incorporating something a little bit like that, make it adjacent to uh, the colleges doing there, it would work fantastically. I got to agree with that. In this instance, I can't believe I'm saying this. This is a fantastic uniform. Hey, that this, is, this one's hard to argue. against rival. That yeah, counts. I'll give it to you. We haven't had too many alternate uniforms announced just yet, but we do have one more for the slides here. Florida Atlantic University has their Night Owl uniforms, is what they're calling them. Uh, I love I, this. Yeah. This, I, love I this. guess I just like black uniforms. I guess that's what that means. But also the, uh, the palm tree on the back of the and the crazy photo shoot they did with a player just lurking behind a tree <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> so you can actually see the state of Florida here. I don't know if they have a uh, an owl logo anywhere. I don't know if they even have one for the school here. But the the palm tree here is fantastic. And yes, that is a mangrove tree. I don't know why he's doing it. It makes for a very interesting picture. I wish his head was turned a little bit more so we could see this other side of the helmet here. Yeah. Uh, but this is this is going to be slick. <laughs> I expect he's also we'll wearing the number actually, zero. Yeah. yeah. I expect we'll see actually several black uniforms this weekend. It is Halloween weekend, and that's kind of what colleges do now. Uh, I won't complain, though. Actually, tonight we have Louisiana Raging Cajuns. I'm wearing a script Cajuns helmet, which is kind of cool. We don't have a slide for that. Um, you know, a couple. We'll get to on Monday. Alternate helmets. But anyway, some other news around college football. The Big Ten has announced their 2023 conference schedule, which is interesting because they're keeping the East and West divisions, at least for next year. Now, several conferences are already doing away with divisions after the NCAA rule change that says you don't need divisions in order to have a conference championship game anymore. But the Big Ten is sticking with that until USC and UCLA join the conference. So we still have East and West in 2023. And interesting notes, uh, Minnesota and Purdue pull the deadly pattern out of the East. Uh, Ohio State and the team up north, both on the schedule for Minnesota and for Purdue. And Penn State is starting their Big Ten conference slate on the road for the eighth consecutive season and the 13th time in the last 14 seasons. Penn State's pissed. They (laughs) 
I, as far as I understand, the president and athletic director have both had a meeting with Kevin Warren to say, we don't think this is right. Uh, give us a home game to start the year. So that will definitely happen in 2024 at this point. Uh, 2023, Penn State's starting the conference late on the road again. Uh, sucks to suck. <laughs> Doug, it looks like you got to say something nice about Michigan. So just, just rip the band-aid off. Uh, they are currently number I will one say of the BDT trench ratings. All right. I was going to say, I will say saying the word Michigan counts. Won't happen. I will find every <laughs> other thing. If we get 10 million requests for me to say something nice about the team up north, I will still never say the, the M word. Uh, I can only hope that someone saves these points and pulls this during the the week of the game. Yeah, I'll think of something. You know, it won't be <laughs> won't be the greatest compliment in the world. I'll, I'll figure out something. Anyway, <laughs> uh, have you guys reviewed the Big Ten conference schedule at all? I know it's probably not that interesting just yet. Uh, we're definitely nowhere near next season, but there are there are points to be looking out for. I've taken a look at it bad on me. I don't have it up to reference right now, but it's uh it looks like it's going to be pretty interesting. I I'm curious to see what the schedule will look like in 2024 though. Like this is still pretty just run of the mill. Uh you know, same thing we've been seeing for a couple of years. The West looks it exists. Uh and then the East is very very tough. So I'm the West is I'm where ready. the good teams are, and the West is where the wild teams are. Yeah. I'm very excited <laughs> to see what this is going to look like come 2024. Definitely. So, completely switching gears here. Uh, Texas A&M is having some issues. This has been in the news a fair bit, so you may have heard a number of things, a number of rumors swirling around why three different freshman players were suspended from the team. The prevailing theory at the moment is that they were smoking weed in the locker room. Uh, <laughs> can't do that. There is another theory, apparently from an inside source on the team, that uh, after the most recent loss, obviously this past weekend, because Texas A&M sucks, uh, players were joking with each other. These freshman players were passing out candy to each other, just like dicking around the locker room. Jimbo Fisher got pissed. Apparently it led to an actual altercation. Uh, I don't know why Jimbo Fisher himself wouldn't be suspended if that were the case. And it's just the players. But I guess anything's possible. And money, you know, can make the rules. Uh, Jimbo certainly has enough of that. So... Multiple multiple issues here. Uh, there are a lot of players looking to transfer out of Texas A&M. There are a couple who have already announced that they are leaving the team in order to enter the transfer portal. And some of those players, some of the players suspended as well, have big NIL deals. In theory, in kind of why they came to Texas A&M in the first place is because of these NIL deals. Uh, 
Now, a couple of issues with this. By law, in my rule, NIL deals cannot be tied to enrollment at a specific university or even participation on the field. So, if these NIL deals stop for any reason, and you would expect that they would, millions of dollars to be on the Texas A&M football team, um, that's going to be lawsuits. I don't know who's going to win those lawsuits. I'm not a lawyer by any means. I don't know the law well enough here to speculate. But that would be lawsuits. And I don't know why any player would want to come to Texas A&M if that happens. Because, hey, they clearly don't live up to their promises. Uh, there's going to be a bunch of issues here. Texas A&M is kind of screwed for a long time after the shortcuts they've tried to take here with the NIL system. And with paying Jimbo Fisher like $100 million to have a worse record than Kevin Sumlin. Just bad vibes all around. Yeah, this was just the first thing I said was, does Jimbo Fisher have the balls to go to the boosters and say, you've got to stop with this fucking, like, offering NIL to everybody because you want them. You've got to accept that I am in charge of this team. Or is that complete and utter career suicide and he's just going to have to try and make chicken salad out of chicken shit or get, get stepping? I mean, this is, this is a horrible position for him to be in and for Texas a to be in. And I think what's more than likely going to happen is the boosters just going to can them. You know, they're going to they're going to raise up their voices enough, get to the athletic director, and that'll be it. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say about all this situation just yet. We don't know enough of the details to really make conclusions just yet. Other than Texas A&M is kind of in a bad spot, I mean, this all does relate to the NIL issues. Uh, the NCAA has tried to address a few of those. They just announced some NIL rule changes very recently, including, for example, uh, schools are no longer able to provide graphic design services, tax prep services, these kind of financial advice services, anything that would help players with their NIL deals and dealing with having a lot of money now out of nowhere. Um, that's been offered for the past year or so to players. And now the NCAA is saying that's an impermissible benefit, actually. And you can't do that unless it's available to all students. Now, I say that's really fucking stupid because I went to UofL. I wasn't allowed to lift in the football players' weight room. Uh, I didn't get to go eat dinner with the basketball team. Uh, that's not how that works. So to just say that there are some services provided to the athletic department and some services not available to everybody makes total sense to me. Uh, I also don't know why schools wouldn't be allowed to offer tax prep services to basically people they're making so much money off of. I mean, it, it's really weird to me that this, it's our new rule now. And if this causes any school to just stop offering those services, that's really disappointing. Yeah, I mean, this... I feel like this is a fucking false equivalency here. Because it's not like any Joe Schmo can just go walk into the chem lab and start fucking around with shit. Right. 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 
you have to be taking chemistry. The only difference here is if you are in chemistry, you're paying a lab fee. What are the athletes paying towards their facilities? Well, they're not, but the amount of money they bring in by making the team as good as it is is why those facilities exist. Right. And as far as, you know, these these different services, like, I don't know that we actually had a graphic design, graphic designer available to us as students at Memphis, but I do know I could walk over to the printing studio and it was available to anybody. It was like a nickel and you could get professionally printed pretty much anything extremely cheap. So I don't understand why you can't have these things for everybody. A gym, for example, every school has a rec center. And as a big reason why people don't drop out of school, because it's included in your tuition, you don't have to pay for a gym membership. It's constantly talked about how that's a huge draw for students to come to that university. Right. If you have tax services, get one or two extra guys so that they can do it for the regular students and the others can, you know, the others that can do it for the athletes and their NIL deals that they're getting. There's ways to go around this. But there's so much money involved in university that we're getting a little bit away from specifically athletics, the athletic department and all that. I think the greed of academics is going to overrule this more than anything. At the end of the day, there's a lot of false equivalency going on here. I definitely agree. And also, there's more to this. Uh, schools have now are now expressly prohibited from being involved in any way with NIL negotiations, which I guess makes sense. At the same time, there are a whole bunch of NIL collectives now springing up for almost every school, and the schools are directly involved in promoting those collectives. The NCAA kind of made a weird exception for that, which is honestly the only instance of direct negotiation i know of any school having with nil um but you know things happen behind the scenes these nil collectives though are now no longer allowed to target specific teams or programs within the athletic department it has to go universally to every player on every team in the athletic department which is weird to me um yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't understand that part of the rule either. I, it really, at this point, it really just feels like the NCAA is trying to make NIL as shitty as possible because they're really pissed that they had to approve it in the first place. They're trying to put the genie back in the bottle, and the NCAA is not going to last long if this is the, about the heat taken. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that several times in the past. I as far as college football structure goes, the NCAA's days are numbered, it certainly seems like. Uh, but we have some good news to end this on because there is, I don't know if anybody really tracks this trophy, uh, but it's a very important one, honestly, in as terms of the real world. Uh, the William V. Campbell Trophy is kind of the academic Heisman for all of college football. It is awarded to college football's top scholar athlete, uh, regardless of level or division, they do have to be in the NCAA, so no NAIA or JUCO. But it, it across FBS, FCS, Division Two, and Division Three, uh, their finalists were just announced. All finalists 
are awarded an $18,000 post-grad scholarship, and the winner will be awarded an additional seven grad scholarship, which is a very great opportunity to continue your academic career and build your future. Um, so very excited for these guys. Big name finalists that people may have heard of do include Adrian Martinez and Jack Campbell, the linebacker for Iowa. Um, Jack Campbell is an outstanding player. I hope he does get an NFL shot, but also very glad he can continue his education if he chooses. And Adrian Martinez had a rough several years there at Nebraska, really turning around at Kansas State. Uh, I believe he is a grad transfer, so maybe maybe getting some of that post-grad education paid for already anyway. But at the same time, you know, he's he's playing very well, and if he has the GPA for it, I'm glad that he's getting rewarded here. Uh, so across all levels of college football, there are seven FBS finalists for FCS, one from Division Two, and three players from Division Three that were named finalists, and six of the 15 play along the offensive or defensive line. Smart dudes in the trenches. Love to see it. Absolutely love to see it. And before we get to our games pick, game picks here, we're going to bring Tug back in. He is having a lot of technical difficulties, so bear with us here. Uh, but, Tug, I got to ask you, I'm assuming you put this picture in here. You tried this beer? Is it any good? I have not even seen that beer. I'm going to go hunting for it now. I didn't even know it existed, so no. <laughs> I did not put that picture in there, but uh, I know a few places I can, yeah. I can ask for out here. If it's a good beer, I will see if I can get some over to you guys. Yeah, that is uh, brand new as far as I know. I've seen pictures of it today and only today on Twitter popping up where South Dakota State has a new sponsored beer company uh, with some ears up beer <laughs> for the Jackrabbits. Premium beer. That's how you know you can Premium. trust it. Premium beer, five percent alcohol, so solid, not too bad. <laughs> I hope it. it tastes good. I hope it's not a you know Jackrabbit's beer and it tastes like Jackrabbit's. Jack yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna try and power through these game picks. Uh, I'm trying to figure it here. Right, I lost my can already. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> So, yeah, we've been picking college games all season so far. We've had a lot more games to pick than with the NFL because we're taking all of the ranked matchups across the FBS and FCS levels and then picking three games that we feel like watching ourselves. So, I'm currently in the lead, very tenuous lead, though. 41-28, Tug right behind me, 39-30 and 30 on the season. Uh, well, you're not having the best of years so far. But we have a uh, lot of games you can catch up with, that's for sure. I made it up in bowl season last year, if I remember right. I'm going to try that and not put myself into a hole between now and then. We'll see. So starting us off with the ranked versus ranked matchups. Uh, number two, Ohio State at number 13, Penn State on Saturday at noon. This is the first time this game has been at noon in a very long time. It's usually a night game because ABC takes it. Well, Fox got it this year, and it's at noon. Uh, we're all taking Ohio State in this one, even though Penn State is probably the toughest opponent Ohio State has played. Uh, not not saying this year. It's still true that they're the toughest opponent Ohio State's played so far this year. 
but also over the past like 15 years, Penn State's been like the thorn in the side. They've beaten Ohio State more than anybody else. Uh, Ohio State's a big favorite here, and we're all picking them. Yeah, and in Happy Valley too. I should just tell you, kind of, you know, not just obviously Doug, you were going to take them, but I should kind of tell you what we're all thinking as far as the talent of this Buckeye team. Uh, that we're all this confident they can go into Happy Valley and get this done here. Definitely a lot of that coming on the back of the much improved defense. So, uh, next up, we do have Oklahoma State at Kansas State. It's at 3.30 on Fox. All these times are in Eastern time, of course. Uh, Oklahoma State is the higher-ranked team, but Kansas State is actually the favorite right now by one and a half points. Um, I'm going with the home team. I do believe Adrian Martinez is healthy and going to play. Uh, when he is playing, that Kansas State offense is pretty incredible. Oklahoma State's defense has not been the same since last year, losing their defensive coordinator and several draft picks as well. Uh, both of you taking Oklahoma State, though. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, we got Crazy Frog in here showing his true colors as a big Oklahoma State fan here. He's saying, unfortunately, he thinks you're right. Uh, depends on if Sanders is healthy or not. And I, I tend to agree with that, too. But that was a question going in against Texas. I really thought Texas was going to pull that one out. So I'm going to ride with Oklahoma State. They, they've been hot. They've continued to stay hot. Man, you know, that, that one slip-up loss, it's, it's going to loom large at the end of the season. But I don't see them falling in Manhattan this week. I just know both teams are capable of incredible things at very random times. I feel like the entire Big 12 is going to come down to some massive heroics. So I'm going to take the healthier option, which weirdly enough right now is Adrian Martinez. And also they're all, that's a big thing for me. Take the home team if I'm in doubt. Uh, Next up, the nightcap, we do have Kentucky at Tennessee, number 19 at number three. Uh, Tennessee's offense has been very impressive so far this season. The country, actually, and a very fast offense. They've run a lot of plays very quickly. Now, Kentucky's specialty is slowing everybody down. So I do understand why you're taking them. This should be a very interesting matchup. What do you think about this game plan? I think trap game. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really where it comes down to. There's granted Kentucky's number nineteen. They should not be taken lightly. Uh even as number three Tennessee, right? But I think trap game, especially when you talk about how they slow the game down compared to the fast place fast paced play of Tennessee. And yeah, of course I'm not taking Tennessee. But you can't tell me they're not looking past them a little bit, focusing on number one Georgia, who has been a juggernaut yeah. pretty much the entire season. I know they've, they've, they've had a little – they haven't lost, but they've had some slip-ups, showed their vulnerabilities. But there's no way they're not looking past Kentucky at least a little bit. I will say one of the biggest deciders for me in this, Tennessee's defense has been rightfully maligned this season. Uh, They're one of the worst in the country at pass defense. Here's the thing, though. Kentucky is not that great of a passing team. They do have Will Levis, who is a solid quarterback. Health in question to some extent. Not exactly the most healthy quarterback in the country at the moment. 
And Kentucky traditionally relies on the run game very heavily, which Tennessee is not as bad at on defense, stopping the run as they are on stopping the pass. I'm taking Tennessee. Tug's also taking Tennessee here. Uh, just that high-powered offense, that game against Georgia is going to be so fascinating if Tennessee actually does pull this out, which I'm expecting they will. But that's why we play the games. Uh, more ranked matchups in the FCS this week than in the FBS. Four match, uh, start off, starting off with Rhode Island at William and Mary. This is number 17 at number 12. Unfortunately, this isn't really going to be televised. You have to sign up for a special app, and I'm not going to deal with that, so I won't be watching this game. But if you feel the need to watch William and Mary, uh, I believe William and Mary is going to destroy Rhode Island. You should download Flow Football. Uh, never tried it. Don't plan to. <laughs> but yeah, I'm taking William and Mary. Uh, Rhode Island is one of those teams that's like decent, but I don't think they're actually a contender uh, in the FCS this year. And William and Mary is starting to look like it. Yeah, and they burned me the last time we had them uh, in a matchup, so I've got to ride with William and Mary. Obviously, especially being the home team. Obviously, Tug's going to take his his home team, so. Makes sense there. I don't see it happening, though. And next up, we do have number 15, Fordham, at number 8, Holy Cross on ESPN+. Plus. Holy Cross is undefeated so far. Fordham, on the other hand, has an electric offense with some questions on defense. I'm taking the more complete team. It is Holy Cross for sure. Tug saying Holy Cross is actually another hometown team for him. So he's taking Holy Cross as well, <laughs> probably for that reason more than anything. But I think Holy Cross is actually almost a little bit scary this year in the FCS. Yeah, another another home team, another higher seed at home. This one was pretty easy for me to take here as well, especially when you look at how they've gotten to this undefeated record. It's not like they've been struggle wins. They have been right. fairly dominant. Next up, we go back to the big sky. Montana at Weber State. Now, I said last week, Montana has two losses now to very high-ranked opponents. Montana State being one of them, Sacramento State being the other. Uh, that's number two and number three in the country. So Montana still hanging out at number 10. I believe deservedly so. Those were very close losses. This week, they're heading to number seven week on ESPN+. And uh, I can't possibly imagine Weber State's going to give up four safeties again. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's really where I'm at, too. It's, it, was, it was a long snapper issue. It wasn't an offense issue. Uh, and they still played well enough to keep that game close last week. I think Weber State is the better team right now, even though Montana is very good. Probably another very close game. It's a coin toss. I'm going with the home team. Kind of yeah, I'm same thing here, you know, and throw in the fact that they're not going to give up four safeties again. And oh, by the way, they gave up those four safeties on the road and we're still in that game, right? So right. I, I, it goes to show just how good this Weaver State team is. Montana is going to give them a hell of a fight, but I'm, I'm sticking with Weaver State as well. And our last ranked FCS matchup, we mentioned number Tugs 23. Sorry, uh, we I... didn't. We didn't, actually. 
he's going with the Grizz. Yep. And it, yep. he, while we're saying it's not going to happen again, he's got trust issues with Weber State. And I, frankly, I understand that. I get it. But now for our last ranked FCS matchup of the week, we do have number 23, Idaho, heading to number three, Sacramento State. This is the night game for the Big Sky, 9 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Idaho has kind of come out of nowhere this season. Nobody expected too much of the Vandals, and yet they're coming out with a pretty explosive offense. Now, Sacramento State looks surprisingly great this season. Uh, they've been one of those teams hanging out around the middle of the top 25 for a couple of years in the FCS, making the playoffs, maybe winning a game or two. This year, they look better than ever. I'm taking Sacramento State in this one for sure. Yeah, I'm also going with Sacramento State. This team has stunned me this year at how good they have looked in pretty much every game they've played. I wanted to go with Idaho, and then I remembered what Sacramento State did last week, and that was really where it ended for me. Crazy Frog, you're absolutely right. They did fire their long snapper. They have a new long snapper now, which only adds to why I don't expect to see the same thing happening again this week for Weber State. But yeah, Tug's also taking Sacramento State. This team has just been, they've been on fire. There's no reason not to take Sacramento State, honestly. A little bit on fire and a little bit lucky. It's hard to beat that combination. But, you know, Vandals looking for a big upset here. They used to be an FBS team. Maybe they got that fire in them somewhere. (laughs) We'll see. And for our next picks, we also had three matchups that we were looking forward to. Doug, you want to start us off here? Yeah, so I – man, every game that I looked at that I was interested in is either happening right now or it's happening tomorrow on Friday. I'm a little disappointed I didn't take the butt game, Baylor versus Texas Tech. Uh, But it seemed like a good time to take my FCS game that I take every year. And shocker here, I'm going with an SIU game. That's kind of what I mean by FCS game every year, right? Uh, I really wish this game was at Northern Iowa more than SIU number 24. Saluki's there. uh, Because it would make this a little more interesting. I would have had a little bit harder time going with SIU than I did here. But at the end of the day, this is a very big turning point for both teams. In my opinion, the loser has no shot at making the FCS playoffs. The winner is going to keep that hope alive, and both teams have a rough go of it the rest of the way. You lose this game, though, it almost doesn't matter. So this is a huge game in the Missouri Valley Conference. We're all going with the Salukis. I kind of wish I was in Carbondale this weekend for this one. Yeah, actually, College Game Day agrees with you that the FCS has the most interesting matchups this week as they are heading to Jackson State. Uh, But you're looking to Carbondale, which I definitely understand. Northern Iowa has been a thorn in the side of basically every Missouri Valley team, even Mm -hmm. though it's Northern Iowa usually ends up around 500 every year. feels like they're always in every game. So it should be interesting. Uh, I know they got stomped by Air Force. Tug is letting us know on the side here. And, uh, you know, I don't put too much credit in that. You know, Air Force is a supposedly a good FBS team, uh, some bad losses. But, you know, they, they've they been dominant in some stretches as well. And SIU just, they're hot. 
they're at home. I'm giving it to the Salukis for sure. My game to watch is Coastal Carolina at Marshall. This is going to be a seven. Sorry. Tug, Tug is also taking SIU, just for clarification for our audio listeners there. Well, you said we're all taking SIU. I couldn't remember. So, Coastal Carolina at Marshall, my game of the week. This is going to be 7 p.m. on NFL Network. Uh, Sunbelt has a really weird deal with the NFL Network. Kind of into it. Uh, now, Coastal Carolina only has one loss in the season. Marshall has three losses all the season. You might be saying, uh, didn't Coastal Carolina prove themselves to be one of the best teams in the group of five level over the past two years? Yeah, probably true. Um, Yet, Marshall is favored in this game. They're actually two-point favorites. And Marshall. This game really scares me for the Chanticleers. And I'm I'm going with Marshall here. It really feels like Marshall plays to the level of their competition this season so far, uh, which is the sign of an inexperienced young team. At the same time, they do it very well. They beat Notre Dame. They gave James Madison their first loss of the season last week. They're very confident and very young. So anything could happen here. I'm kind of just, I feel like I'm taking the home team again, going with Marshall here. But I I don't think Coastal Carolina is as dominant as they have been this season. This, this year feels like a down year for them as well. And Marshall's just coming in hot. I'm going with the Hurt. Yeah, I mean, I think the home team piece was ultimately the deciding factor, but that was in the forefront of my mind. Just these big games that Marshall's won and had no business winning. I mean, Notre Dame on the road in primetime, like that's that's insane. Which, I mean, I guess Notre Dame on NBC is their own primetime. But, like, it's – that one was the forefront most of my mind. Make it at home. Put it on NFL Network against – you know, one of the best group of five schools out there right now. I don't know. I don't know why, but I, I feel I feel like two and a half is almost underselling what I think Marshall might be able to do this weekend. Now, Tug is going with Coastal Carolina, and I definitely understand it. You know, Jamie Chadwell has his team playing out of their minds, and they still have their quarterback, Grayson McCall. He's still putting up some numbers, and they're still 6-1 and one this season. It's not like they're performing poorly just feels like games have been closer than they used to be. I don't know. It's It doesn't feel the same, and Marshall's coming in way hotter. I have to take the hurt on this one. So, Tug's game of the week. He was taking number 17, Illinois, at Nebraska. This is going to be a 3.30 on ABC. Uh, Illinois is looking weirdly great this year. Uh Brett Bielema certainly turning that into a player development factory. These zero stars coming up and performing very well for the Illini. And this defense is definitely the story of the season so far. I would I would expect Illinois' defensive coordinator getting some looks, especially by Colorado, his alma mater, uh, to potentially be the head coach. But this game is interesting. Because Mickey Joseph has Nebraska playing better than they were under Scott Frost. It's, I don't know if that's saying too much. (laughs) They weren't playing very well at the beginning of the season. But they are playing better right now. Mickey Joseph certainly hasn't bought in. 
and uh, it could be a very tough matchup for the Illini, especially being at Lincoln. Yeah, and there's a lot of Big Ten West implications with this game as well. We're all going with Illinois. I think it's just because, simply put, they're the better team right now. Nebraska's at home. That sellout streak, to my knowledge, is still going. And technically, I, I feel like there was some weird, yeah, there was some weird stat about teams that played Nebraska after playing Purdue, and Illinois falls into that. So maybe this spells trouble for Illinois and perfect chance for us to meet ourselves. I don't know. I'm curious. I, I want to see the Illinois uh, win this one, though. No, I, I respect this being the pick of the week because this honestly could go either way. Just taking what feels like the better team at the moment in Illinois. All of us. Uh, interesting updates in the games happening right now, by the way, before we move on. Virginia Tech is actually starting to dominate a little bit, starting to pull away from number 24, NC State. 14-3 uh, to three currently. Virginia Tech is also so wild stuff happening in NC State. Uh, and Southern Miss is that's a thing that's happening. I feel bad for the Raging Cages. <laughs> uh, so now prospects to watch out for this week. I have a couple of very interesting stories for you this week in the prospects preview. Uh, starting off with Marshall's running back, Kalen Laybourne. He is listed as an all-purpose back coming out of high school. It was actually the number one all-purpose back coming out of high school in 2017. Uh, signed with Florida State. I understand, as the number one all-purpose back out of high school, what that supposedly means. He's not a pure runner. He can also catch passes out of the backfield. And he's supposedly very good at that. He was ranked ahead of other all-purpose backs that year. J.K. Dobbins, Anthony McFarland Jr., Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Michael Carter. These are names that you recognize from the NFL now. 2017 was an amazing high school class of running backs because uh, the actual not the running backs, not the all-purpose backs, include like I don't know, Najee Harris. Uh, just an incredible class of running backs. Kalen Laybourne was one of the best among those guys. Goes to Florida State, red shirts the first year. Happens all the time. Don't blame him for that. 2018 dislocates a kneecap. Brutal. Out for the season. Sucks. Uh, backup role in 2019. Doesn't see the field too, too often. You know, still gets four touchdowns out of it. Shows some flashes for sure. Then, new head coach comes to town. I'm not sure what happened, and nobody has really talked about it, but he is suspended from the team. He will never play another down for the Florida State Seminoles. Mike Norvell comes in and says, no, we're not dealing with this guy. I have no idea what happened with that situation. I will also say it certainly seems like he has matured a lot. He has finished his degree. He is a grad transfer to Marshall this year because he wanted to play under former Alabama running backs coach, now the Marshall head coach. And 
he has turned this into an incredible season so far. He has actually the school record for fastest to ever reach 1,000 rushing yards in a season. Only doing that, it only took seven games to do it. He is making the most of this opportunity. Definitely a breakout year. He looks like every bit as talented as the recruiting services thought he was going to be when they ranked him among the best in that 2017 class. Just phenomenal when he touches the ball. Big running back, too. 5'11", 212, can punish defenders if he wants to lower that shoulder. And also, this week against Coastal Carolina, Coastal Carolina's run defense is not that good this year. Number 71 in the country. So, I expect this could be another very big game for Kalen Laybourne, especially if Marshall does pull this out. They're going to lean on this guy. Uh, I don't know how this is going to translate to an NFL draft situation. That suspension from Florida State and the fact that it lasted two years is going to raise a lot of red flags. He's going to have to explain himself pretty well. But as far as I can tell, he has matured and is doing extremely well with his current opportunity. Yeah, I love a redemption story. I hope he gets it done. Next up on the defensive side of the ball, taking another guy from 2017, Bentley Sanders. This is a little bit of a different story, though. Uh, he played four years for the South Florida Bulls and uh, decided, I'm not getting developed well enough, and I don't think I'm playing the right position either. Uh, played most of his time for USF as a safety and yet had some pretty solid production, especially in 2019, 40 tackles, 31 of those solo, three forced turnovers, uh, and three pass breakups. Very good stats. His best season by far, though, is this year, his second year with the University of Nevada. Now, why did he get so many seasons? Well, COVID added a year of eligibility, and uh, you know he's running with it. So he transferred to Nevada ahead of 2021 because he wanted to work with Jane. No progress. Nevada was making the Wolfpack look like a totally different team under Jay Norvell than they had in the past. Well, Jay Norvell leaves for Colorado State. Uh, that's kind of brutal. At the same time, he's doing even better now than he ever did with Jay Norvell or at any point with USF. Uh, so far this season, 50 tackles, already a career high for him, 37 of those solo, five interceptions, another career high, three forced fumbles, another career high, two pass breakups, uh, tied for second best in his career already. He has been named to the Thorpe Award semifinalist list. He's an AP midseason All-American He's tied for first in the NCAA in interceptions. This guy is putting on the best cornerback season of his life. And imagine if he had tried to go to the NFL as a safety. This is unreal. The development so quickly at corner is just tremendous. I love to see this kind of a story. I really hope he gets an NFL opportunity after this. And if he keeps this up, he definitely will. Because this production is hard to ignore yeah this is this is a pretty incredible turnaround you know 2019 was a pretty good season but then to not do anything the last two years and then come into this this season this is 
fantastic. Um, I'm excited to see what he's able to do this week, honestly. But that's all I got. Yeah, it's it's been a <laughs> lot here. Yeah, it's been, been a lot. Here. It has been fun. I have nothing in the way of non NFL pro news. Uh, Tug, man, you know we're we'll get your internet sorted out eventually. I am sure. Um, we're, we've got, we've been talking with him throughout the the last half of the show here. Uh, we've got a few ideas in the works, so we're gonna we're gonna try and get this remedied so we can be whole um, as much as we can. With that being said, Doug, before I kind of lead us off the show here, you got anything for us? You know, this weekend, world's largest cocktail party, Georgia, Florida. I just got to say, you know, to the Georgia Bulldogs, if you need a little bit more inspiration than you, because you clearly don't, but it's just, you know, it's just something I'm thinking of. When life gives you gators, make Gatorade. You know, my <laughs> wife accused me of stealing her thesaurus. Not only was I shocked, I was appalled, aghast, and dismayed. Truly truly disheartening that she would accuse you of such tomfoolery. But ladies and gentlemen, looks like I found get, one myself. <laughs> before we get out of here today, our links, they've been scrolling across the bottom. If you are watching either on Twitch or on our YouTube, like we talked about earlier, uh, you can also go and support the show besides subscribing on Twitch. You can support the show by going and visiting patreon.com backslash BDT football. Stay up to date with all of our updates, random ramblings, uh, and anything else that you may not have caught on the show at twitter.com backslash BDT football. You can also check us out at facebook.com backslash BDT football, instagram.com backslash BDT underscore football. We're working on trying to make that more robust uh, than what it currently is. And the same goes for our website, bdtfootball.com. You can go check it out if you want. Send us an email, mailbox at bdtfootball.com. But again, Instagram and the website, they're kind of in flux. So give us a little bit of grace there. Uh, if you're an audio listener, we mentioned it before, but it's twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches. All one word there. Our YouTube link will be posted in the description below. Uh, and that's just because we don't have a custom YouTube link. Make sure to go over to our YouTube and subscribe. That'll help us get a, a cool link there and make things a lot easier to shout out here on the show. Same thing with our Discord. This weekend, we will officially have our first Mount Rushmore draft. We're going to get back to doing Mount Rushmores next week, uh, and we'll be talking about them live on the show. So get up for that. That link, again, is going to be posted in the bottom here. It's going to be it's a permanent link, uh, but I'm not going to even attempt to read out all the random letters that Discord spit out for us there. Uh, just trust me. We've got it. So with that being said, I feel like we have to do Tug's thing because he's in the, you know, in the waiting room. What do you say? If he wants to pop in and do it, it's on him. I ain't doing is, it. Is he going to pop in and do it? Is he? <laughs> Hold on. Let's see if it works. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching or for listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win in the trenches. <laughs> <laughs>